0: Hey everyone, welcome to the How They Made It podcast, the show that's dedicated to helping you make it in the world of fabrication. I'm your host, Jeremy Cross, and this episode, like all episodes, is brought to you by SawBlade.com. No middleman, no markup, no problem. SawBlade.com, go direct. Today I am joined by Zach Shaverick Zach is a metal artist based in New York. You can see his work online at ZachMax, that's Z-A-C-M-A-X.com, and you can follow him on Instagram at Zach period Mac. Max, sorry, M-A-X. Zach, how's it going, man? It's going uh, good. Thanks. For, how's it going good, good, you? good. Thanks for coming on, man. Um, cool. It's, it's Friday and the brain feels like it. So, uh, yeah. Ba- ba- bear with me for a second. <laughs> <Feels good. laughs> exactly. Exactly. Weekend can't get here soon enough. Um, well, cool. Well, uh, usually just kind of like to start um, at the beginning. Uh, kind of where'd you grow up and, and what were you into as a kid?
1: Uh, well, I grew up in upstate New York, about two hours north of the city, mixed with uh, a lot of time in the city itself, in New York City, and uh, just sculpting is what I was into as a kid. Metal sculpting. My dad was a sculptor, and uh, he taught me to sculpt from you know, too young of an age to even state anymore at this point. That's awesome, man. <laughs> how how, how yeah. old
0: were you Like the first time that you, uh, you welded something? Well...
1: Uh, Probably, like between three and five in that range. I was welding my own sculptures at five regularly, so I assume somewhere before then I started just like hitting the the stick welder on the table. But I think seriously welding was around five to seven.
0: Whoa, that is awesome, man! Your your dad sounds cool. Like what uh, what, <laughs> what what kind of art was was uh, was he into? Like what was he what was he making? Uh,
1: he started off doing uh, iron fabrication, just uh, railings and, like, um, window guards, a lot of window guards on New York City apartment buildings, and he switched into Judaica sculpture, which is like Jewish um, mezuzas, which go on the doorpost, and uh, menorahs, and just some Jewish-themed large-scale sculpture that he did for a while, and... Uh, You know, I took it in my own direction from a very young age. Very cool, very cool.
0: Did you guys have, like, a a shop at the house, or, like, where did you actually work?
1: Yep, yep. Uh, We live upstate on a farmland property with an old uh, repurposed barn that we turned into a metal shop, or he turned into a metal shop before I was born, or uh, actually right around the time I was born. Very cool, very cool.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, like, take me through, like, uh, age of five, like, through high school, like, were you just, like constantly in the shop welding did you have like some other interests like kind of what were you into there
1: i mean i was always interested in like video games and cartoons i was a very avid reader read a lot of science fiction fantasy novels like like devoured that stuff um drawing i was always kept with like a little drawing book so i was always you know scratching away at a notepad and and making little sketches all the time and then, pretty much after school, most days, like, my dad would encourage me to come to the shop, and I would follow suit pretty, pretty regularly, and, you know, it started off, I remember, it was only two-dimensional sculptures. He would give me a bunch of scrap, and I would lay it out on the table in, like, a, a face and a figure, and most of the time, I would weld it up once I was able to, so that's how I started. At one point, I kind of broke that 2D plane and started making things in the three dimensions and, uh, you know, just... Kept trying to improve and improve and go forward from Fantastic.
0: There. So now are you, is, is metal sculpture like a full-time gig for you now? Um, do you have like another job on the side? How is that working?
1: I have, um, um, pretty much mostly metal sculpture, but I'm trying to transition into 3D, uh, computer graphic work and video game development. So that's a new, a new foray for me. That's just happened in the last two years. Um, for the most part I've I've struggled most of my life you know <laughs> just making it as a sculptor and being exclusively a sculptor has been very difficult you know some some years or some months will be amazing and you know it's like oh you know, let's go. You know, get something nice, or you know, have a little, have a little spending money, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, no commissions coming in right now. <laughs> Got to just like hunker down. Totally, totally.
0: <laughs> well, well, I I've taken a look at your Instagram, and it's you. You have some amazing work. Describe to me just for for everybody out there that maybe hasn't seen it. Like, what type of sculptures do you do you specialize in uh, on the the woodworking side?
1: I do pretty fantastical creative like monsters creatures figurative stuff i generally shy away from um you know simple representational stuff and and abstract stuff i do a lot of like really grotesque faces dripping you know skulls and you know weapons blood all that kind of you know mythological creatures and demons that i just come up with in my head from years of watching cartoons and playing video games that's
0: awesome um so so talk me through like when you do get commissions like who is that that type of client or or, like who is like the typical client? they gotta be pretty insane (laughs) right right i can imagine
1: no but there's like you know i think it's a it's an aesthetic that exists in in millions and millions of people out there. You know, there's, there's certainly, like, you need somebody who's going to have a very special personality type that's going to say, hey, let me get, like, you know, a 10-foot beast on my lawn, you know? But there, there are people that want that. But in general, you know consuming media as we do we kind of love those angry creatures and monsters that show up left and right in tv and video games and when when they're angry and then they're also lovable at the same time i think that makes them really when you connect to them and i think all my creatures they have like this sort of grotesque you know, evil demonic thing, but then you like look at him, and you're like, oh, wait, he's just another yeah. guy, you know? He's like a, yeah, <laughs> he's cool, he's yeah, chill, yeah. you know?
0: It's all it's all What is kind of like your, when you do get a commission, like take me through your, your process. You mentioned that like kind of growing up, you, you sketched a lot. Do you start kind of like pencil and paper? Um, is it kind of like all in your head? Like what is that design process like for you?
1: Well, it varies, I guess, from commission to commission and from, person to person, I think is the most important point there. You know, if I have my way, which I try and get, you know, some way by hook or by crook, I try and get the customer to want what I want, you know, because if, if they want something that I don't want to make, it's either going to make me want to charge them more for doing it, or it's going to make me not enjoy doing it, you know? And so when that happens, you know, nobody wins. So I try and, customize my commissions to being something where everybody's happy. And once we get to that point, then it still depends on the person on how how they react to that decision. If they're going to say, okay, I still need like a sketch up, a work up, a drawing, a this, or that. Other people will be like, okay, I trust you. You know, go have fun with it. And then what will happen is I'll, if uh, my ideal situation, you know, they'll say, you know, th- along these lines, this is sort of the theme that we're working with you know that maybe this many characters in this kind of sequence or whatever and then I'll just I'll just start working with nothing you know maybe I'll make a drawing after I've already started or maybe I won't have any drawings at all at but I'll just sort of you know start going start letting the material make a couple decisions for me let things kind of fall into place and then as I get further along, if I'm unhappy, I'll just start cutting that shit apart. You yeah. know? <laughs>
0: Excuse yeah, my language. no, no, no.
1: But uh, <laughs> I'll just, like, I'll take it apart. You know, I'll cut the whole face off. I'll put a whole new face on it or whatever I got to do to make myself happy with it first and foremost. And then I'll keep, you know, iterating and, and going into detail, which is, you know, where all the – Where all the magic kind of happens.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Where do you uh source your materials? Like, do you have like a stockpile of scrap at the shop or do you actually go source that?
1: Uh well, I have the stockpile at the shop from years of sourcing it, but I've become really good at getting scrap and finding scrap. I mean, at this point I really don't have to work to find scrap because I have the connections that I've made for so many years. In fact, One of the connections has been around with me for as long as I'm alive because my dad was using this scrap company. It's not a scrap company. They're a a metal fabrication company not too far from where we live that would do massive, massive uh, uh, projects. Shout out to Breakwell Steel Fabricators Incorporated out of Chester, New York. So they're a really big uh, uh, part of my life forever. My dad, they had a big dumpster in the back, and my dad used to actually pick me up as a little kid and and put me in the dumpster, and he would be in the other side of the dumpster lifting out, like, the I-beams and stuff that I couldn't handle, and I'd be at the bottom, like, finding the nuts and bolts and and what they call slugs, which was, like, my bread and butter, which are just punch-outs or dots about, you know, yay to yay to yay or whatever, but thousands of them, and we would get a bucket from them, and I'd fill the bucket and, you know... That's that's like I got tons of buckets sitting around my shop and my dad's shop, and we just got scrap everywhere now, and other shops that we know nearby just kind of have become part of our scrap family. We could call that's it. That's awesome, man. That's awesome.
0: Um, I actually just shot a video at a uh, facility, kind of that sounds very similar to that. Shout out to, to Burger Ironworks uh, in Houston, but. Um, cool, cool, cool like on on, on that front, did you ever have any interest in, in going the kind of more traditional like fabrication route or were you kind of always like driven by art?
1: I mean, my dad stuck around with the railings and ironworks business for a lot of my younger life and he would bring me along on those jobs. Even at, you know, seven, eight years old, I would be in there scooping, concrete out of the little hole at the bottom of the you know to, to fill the <laughs> to put the new the posts in or whatever and you know we would do a lot of uh a lot of architectural iron work for a long time just you know staircase railings with cool crazy designs in them so we kind of merged the traditional ironworks in with the regular but as i've gotten older i've been able to kind of refine the work that i want to take more and more which has been um steering away from traditional fabrication and more into, you know, just making, making crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man.
0: Well, I, I noticed like you, you have a, a pretty outstanding following on, uh, on Instagram. Like what has kind of been your, your approach to like marketing and, and getting the word out and kind of how have you, you've been able to, you know, grow into a successful business where you're doing what you want to do?
1: I mean, you know, it's a struggle all the time. It's, it's sometimes it's, Feast and famine, like I said before, you get you get put onto different waves on Instagram, and uh, I think one of my biggest uh, specialties is my metal mations. That's something I kind of invented. Uh, you might start seeing more of it now. I feel like there's some people kind of trying trying to attempt it, but I don't think anyone's quite there yet. But uh, I do these uh, animated videos where I cut apart the welded sculptures and re weld them back together in each little position to make full. You know, little films, short. You know, thirty second, one minute films, with my characters kind of doing, hopping up around, you know, dancing, doing all kinds of stupid shit. Whoa!
0: So, so you're talking like stop motion videos, made with metal that you weld and re weld. That that's that's yeah, that's that it. Is, that's exactly whoa. it. Whoa! How long does like a, say like a ten second clip take you to make?
1: Uh, ten se- I have a formula nowadays. Um, obviously, it changes depending on what's going on in the animation, but it was... What was it? I would get, like, two seconds for every... Maybe I could get three seconds in an hour. Wow. Something like that. That's wild. So I could do about three, three seconds in the yeah. Out.
0: Man, that's that's pretty efficient for uh, a, as much work. Yeah, well.
1: and it's a one man. It's a one man show. the The biggest issue is it burns through phones and cameras and equipment like crazy. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The I'm my my setup right now is a little rickety too. You know, I got like a homemade. Uh, like I got like three homemade um, tripods that are just like you know, <laughs> they're just three long pieces of rebar with like a little with a little piece of square plate on it that I just like stick my phone on and I'm like okay nothing's gonna happen to it and of course it always falls over I'm like, and not just having just having a phone in there you know the the metal dust from grinding and the it just it they just go totally. So yeah, I, I I learned
0: really quick. Uh, like filming like metal fabrication, like I love like sparks. Like my favorite thing to, to shoot is like when somebody's like like oh, grinding yeah? or something like that. And it's like it it looks cooler the closer you get the camera to the sparks. <laughs> the, the, the problem is until you get one on you're welded to the lens exactly. of the camera, and you're like I, sitting there with a nail file. I I remember trying to like <laughs> clean off my lens, and I'm like it's pitted, and I'm like how the how did this happen? And it's like oh the the sparks. I mean, it was a cool video but yeah came at a price but that, that, that's, <laughs> that is awesome man okay um, so then kind of like like uh long term are you are you thinking like you want to maybe like wind down uh, the, the the welding side of your business and go more into kind of like the the 3d animation you were talking about is it something that you want to kind of continue to do like what's your thought there
1: I mean you know I I flirt with different thoughts on this whole thing, but I, I'm probably never going to stop making metal sculpture, <laughs> no, matter, no matter how hard I try to. you know, It's just part of me. It's just something I, I always do. I mean, I take breaks. Um, I, I'll go a long period of time where I don't make sculpture, and then I'll get back into it. I was just in uh, California, visiting my brother for an extended period of time, and he had a friend with a powder coating shop who had a little welding machine lying around, and you know, over the course of a week, I made a chess set, a six foot six sculpture, and twelve little pieces or more. And I was just, I was just like, you know what, we got the equipment. I'm not, I'm not busy right now. I'll just bust out some work. Yeah. So you know, it, uh, it. Right now, I'm trying to focus on on launching this VR chess video game that I've been in development for about a year and a half now. So that's been a bit of a focus, but. I really want to get back into animating too. That's sort of like the next thing that I really really want to go back to and I have a couple I have a couple little metal commissions lined up. Nothing nothing like my my plate is not too full with metal work at the moment, but it's because I'm you know transitioning a little bit or yeah. or whatever, but I do I do spend a lot of time sculpting now in VR. So I use my VR headset and I'll make like an asset, then we'll take that asset and we'll put it right into the video game. But ideally, I would be able to make assets in metal and then do what's called photogrammetry and, and take 360 degree photo of the, of the sculpture and take that sculpture and put it right into the video game as well. I don't have that pipeline set up at the moment, but it's something I'm hoping to work That's
0: towards. That's awesome, man. So, so would you be thinking like long term something along the lines of like NFTs of, of your sculptures where you have like a, both a physical and like a digital version of that?
1: I don't think you can avoid the NFTs for too much longer. You know, it's just sort of, it's just going to be like part of all transactions going forward somewhere along the line. If I say I want to roll out with like a big NFT line, I, I do. I mean, obviously, I, I would love to like, you know, come out with a whole line of that. But marketing NFTs, is it seems like its own entire world that I don't understand and I'm not part of. But I think I could see... You know, every uh, sculpture coming with a token or something like that would be would be a no brainer for me going forward.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's super cool, man. Especially with like the the fact that you can take that like kind of physical render of it and put it in the digital world. That's that's mm-hmm. that's really awesome. Yeah,
1: I think if if you wanted mm-hmm. to talk about what like a future um, usage of that. Is would be make like an entire video game just with metal creations and and you know something like that and do do like the the mocap from the sculptures yeah. you know or something like that yeah. like, or or just you know make a sculpture and then rig it and use mocap on the sculpture in the video game but either yeah, way <laughs> yeah I mean kind of
0: to, to that point too like have you ever um created like a sculpture in in VR and then applied that to something that you're creating like in the physical world like like you know practice try something see if it works and then if you like it go yeah, into for sure yeah
1: for sure it's actually it's a really good prototyping medium because you know i just i just have the little sticks and it's out there in front of me and within minutes i've got something you know prototyped you know, it could be seconds even to get to get to a, a, a simple prototype of something, yeah. because it's just it's very fast. It's a it's very fast and very intuitive, at least coming from a sculpture background. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so so kind of going back to the uh, the 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 metal sculpture side of things, like what would you say has kind of been um, the biggest challenge, either in terms of like process of creating the sculptures, or like even like the marketing business side as well.
1: I mean marketing and business is definitely going to be the harder part you know if you if you have the work just getting up and going to the shop and and welding the sculptures is no big deal yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just that's that's the daily grind but uh you know, a lot of times you got to go into the shop and make stuff without any commission work. And then it's like, well, I have all this inventory sit- that I'm sitting on. Do I go in and I make more inventory and then I do I store it and it catches rust and devalues or do I, you know, pursue marketing or do I, you know, do a third thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. So there's certainly, it's certainly a struggle. And I think. For me, one of the things that worked really well throughout my career has been sort of a guerrilla marketing tactic. i make like a really large sculpture. I'll put it at like a restaurant that a friend of mine owns or on a property in a good location. And I'll let it sit there for a year or two and then I'll move it so that it doesn't feel like it's part of the landscape. And then that piece kind of gets me traction around the area, and so now in my local area, which is Sullivan County, New York, it's just like, oh, okay, you're you're Zach Max, you know. So like my my name is kind of branded around the county, which has been uh, certainly a good a good thing for me. And I do I do a yearly festival too, which I will do again this year. I haven't picked a date yet, but it's. Uh, certainly going to come up this summer. That's awesome, man. Is is, is, yeah. is that
0: like the Flashburn? Oh, okay. Is <laughs> is that is that like at your farm or like like what what is the the festival? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just a big art art, music, food, you know, beer, the whole the works. It's not it's not like on the radar of like, you know, festival heads or anything, but it's yeah. it's just like our own little small festival that i put together with a, a couple other friends or or myself or with my dad over the years and now we have uh, a couple more members on the uh on the staff of people helping out but it's uh you know we wanted to grow slowly but we definitely wanted to grow yeah, yeah but it's called the flashburn flashburn festival and this will be like the 11th year that i've done it oh, you that's, know so i've been going on for a long time
0: that's awesome man very cool um, yeah so like kind of like through your process like obviously it sounds like you do a ton of commissions um do you do like uh kind of like standard products that you then like you know bad example but like a metal chess set or something like that uh that you produce like a
1: that's a good example yeah okay cool cool, cool
0: <laughs> awesome like like multiple of and then like sell online has that been something that you've you've tried or currently do
1: <clears throat> i've tried in small batches of making like i remember i had a a triangular shaped piece of scrap that showed up and I made like, I don't know, like 60 or, or 70 heads with this little piece of triangular scrap because it was so, so quick and easy. And I was like, Oh, I could just, I can make this. And then I also did like some 3d print, not three, uh, some CNC, uh, plasma cut bottle openers and, you know, a couple of yeah. little things, but I've never had too much success with that. Probably more success just making a t-shirt or something like that. Yeah. Um, I want to do, I want to get into like, I, I think actually over the last month or so, I came up with a really good formula for a chess set based on um, buying a set of nuts and bolts. You know, I could just buy, you know, $50 worth of nuts and bolts and turn it into a chess set. And I was able to make that chess set very quickly. And so it kind of felt like, oh, all right, this is, this is very doable in like, you know, a A A B C kind of formula how i could get from point a to point you know wherever i need to be yeah. so, so, so i definitely i definitely see the potential in a in a mass-produced chess set or or even a 3d printed chess set
0: yeah when you do those like have you ever <clears throat> experimented with something like etsy like do you do you sell through instagram is it all through word of mouth like what's kind of like your your distribution there
1: yeah, it's mostly word of mouth, and I wouldn't say that's a good thing. You know, <laughs> I should be I should be out there marketing on like Etsy and putting it out on platform. I mean, I did do Etsy, and I don't feel like it's a good fit for me yeah. for some reason. I think maybe my prices are too high or my product is a bit too harsh. You know, I think I think I need you need like a sort of more hands on uh, consumer to uh, producer relationship for me to sell my work, but. You know, there, there's definitely that's been like a certain like, you know, the hook for me is is not having an easy marketability to finding new clients. You know, obviously, I've tried the guerrilla marketing and that's worked really well, but there's still plenty of lulls out there. Yeah,
0: well, I can imagine it's kind of like a blessing and a curse because like your your products are like so niche, you're probably like the guy in that space but it's just not like, you know, uh, just like a huge it's not a huge, huge space. space exactly, exactly. <laughs> so <clears throat> then are you like a, a like an a pretty avid like chess player or, or what is kind of like the connection to, to chess there?
1: I do love chess. Yeah, I've made I I made um I think my first chess set I made in college was a bronze casted chess set with a forged like, you know, decorative hand forged lion's claw a table it was the whole thing weighed 70 pounds it was massive i made like a super massive chess set with like crazy detailed demons and humans fighting against each other and ever since then i've probably produced another seven chess sets or somewhere along there so not a ton but enough in different variances of sizes and detail i have a portable one that i can travel with and yeah. you know That's- so I, I do I do love chess too. I love
0: playing. Chess. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, that kind of s- sparked a, a a question that I had. Um, the size and scale of your projects, like you have some like massive sculptures. Like, w- how do you go about like transporting and installing those pieces? Are you like building things on site? Are you taking them with a truck and like a forklift? Like, how does that work?
1: Uh, so my my own. Personal studios are pretty humble. I have just, you know, a small shop. Where, if you look at some of these massive pieces, you have to build them in parts at these small shops. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna uh, work at my home studio, so for like some of the biggest stuff, I'll be using other people's uh, large-scale shops with cranes and forklifts. You know, I'll build it on the ground, lift it up in the air, bring a flatbed truck in, and then transport it to the uh, to the to the location. I did have one project that was uh, at a very high location indoors and had to be a certain weight limit, but was still supposed to be 10 feet tall. So I ended up making this piece so that it it ratcheted apart and had to be hand-installed piece by piece up into the air on this (laughs) really high platform that was... That was probably the most difficult install I've ever had. But usually it's just like make it at uh, Breakwell or or a different shop, you know, or assemble it at the different shop. And that could take anywhere from a week to a month or, or some sometimes more. And then bring bring the truck in and just kind of plop it down on site and concrete it in or whatever needs to be done
0: yeah what has been like i mean that that like a month timeline sounds insane for me um like what has been kind of like your your your, your, <laughs> your biggest piece that like took the longest amount of time
1: um it's probably gonna have to be the one i did about i guess it's going back about six years now and it was um i think it Maybe it touches on, like, 17 or 18 feet tall. It's got, like, it's. I still have it as, like, my business card. He's got a truck on top of his head, okay. and he's, like, a giant dude, and there's a dude coming out of the truck. And uh, I built most of that at my house, and then I took the body as one section, and the head as another section, and the arms as another section, and the legs as another section, and brought it all to break well. Assembled it over the course of about, I think, three weeks or, or so, and then we had to move it from one part of their shop to another where they had higher cranes <laughs> to finish it, and then I had to get up in a bucket loader on, or was it, no, they, yeah, they have like a bucket lift on the forklift, so they put me in the bucket lift on the forklift to finish like the last welds and stuff on top of it yeah that was pretty exciting oh
0: my gosh that's insane man well very cool well this has been yeah that was a fun it was a fun project this has been absolutely fantastic man you've done some really cool stuff and I actually saw that piece uh, on your site and on Instagram and, it, and it's like yeah
1: that's that's definitely one of my go-to uh, front and <laughs> yeah <stand. laughs> yeah it's just absolutely
0: wild absolutely wild definitely uh, encourage everybody to, to, to check that out I um, always kind of like to end with this this question uh, as well you've obviously had I mean a, a, a long and successful career doing this, something that probably very few people uh, have experienced. Um, Is there something that you've learned over the years or a piece of advice you might give to somebody who's just starting out who wants to be like a metal artist?
1: I guess, you know, the old adage with persistence, you will succeed. And, you know, there's certain different levels of persistence, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So like, you got to be persistent, but then it's like, you're going to get slapped in the face throughout the whole process, you still got to keep being persistent. You know, I'm still getting slapped in the face. Yeah. 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 What's that that saying? It's like, it's, it's not
0: how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up. That's, uh, that's what it comes down to. Well, man, that's awesome. Um, so, okay. One more time, let everybody know best place to, uh, see your work and, and get in touch with you.
1: Uh, well, I probably post the most work on Instagram at, at Z a C dot M A X. So my Instagram account is uh, is where I post like stuff that doesn't make it to the website. And the website, I will be honest, I haven't like updated it much lately. I'm trying to uh, work on a new website called royallyforked.com, which is <laughs> my new VR chess video game. So you can check that one out. That's something that's going to be, uh, you know, hopefully on people's radar very soon. Um, but yeah, zachmax.com. That's that's where you'll find a nice archive of of my work. Um, any uh, not any new work, but some new work will pop up on there as well. You know, check the Instagram, YouTube. I got some really cool videos on YouTube. Yeah. YouTube.com/sackmax.
0: Awesome, man! I'm definitely gonna check out those uh, those stop motion pieces. That sounds pretty. Uh... Yeah, yeah, those are
1: those are I think gonna be. My claim to fame. Yeah, day. man. That's that's pretty <laughs> if they don't yeah. It already. If, yeah.
0: Know. That's pretty incredible. Well, man, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time to come on. It's been absolutely my pleasure. Fantastic. It was very fun. Likewise. Um, cool. Well, cool. Well, and thank you all to everyone out there for uh, for listening. Also, please be sure to follow sublade.com on all these social channels, as well as like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us out and you'll be uh, kept up to date on all the new episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening, and we'll see ya.